0: Hey everyone, welcome to The Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy The Breakthrough Breakdown.
1: Well, hey, welcome to The Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. this is Kate. I'm John.
0: And I'm Megan.
1: Okay, so Megan, we're going to start off by you. So we asked Megan... To be on the podcast, and Megan doesn't like always being on the podcast, so why don't you like being on the podcast, Megan?
0: I don't know. I don't feel like I'm witty and quick enough and have the best things to say, so I just sit here and pray that I don't have to talk.
1: <laughs> but here's the thing. Every time you say something, it's usually really good. Right? I, 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 would you agree with that, Kate? I agree. One, I think that's, yeah. a, that's a lie.
0: I, think you, I, think, I
1: think you bought into a lie.
0: It's not a lie. I don't like it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you just remove the K. Yeah. There's been a lie and a, you just, I just removed the K, you like, lie, she's an Enneagram 9. I think you have things yeah. to say. I think you have awesome Thank things you. to say. And you are very fun.
0: Oh, well, I think so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so in Sermon Read-Through today, uh, we had a lot of really fun moments. So I actually proposed that I think we need to start recording Sermon Read-Through. And then when it's a really fun one, that we release it because it was a really fun sermon it read-through. Got ridiculous. Sermon in the best read-through. Way. But in a good way, like yeah. it wasn't yeah. just off-topic. Like there were really funny points, and I, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're ending Galatians this weekend. We
2: did it. We I did. Thought it. There would be we're more. Hoorah and sermon read-through today. I thought there was going to be, like, a slow clap as Jason came in. Somebody was going to bring cake and stuff. Everybody was just kind of, like, tired and we're like, okay, we did it. So why didn't you bring cake? I, did, I, I was crockpot hunting this morning.
1: What were you crockpot hunting for? A crockpot. For what?
2: Oh. I mean, I know what I you're for, but why did you need a crock? Pot? I, needed, I needed, like, six crockpots because I'm making about 35 pounds of chicken
1: tonight mm. for that's, the Celebrate Recovery. That's a lot of chicken. Yeah. Wow! So we're gonna call you Miss Colonel Sanders.
2: You can, I think so. Yep. <laughs> Did you know there's a
1: show on History Channel? It's the History of Food, or something like that, or the Food That Made America. Oh, fine. Oh. Have you heard the story of Colonel Sanders and the Colonel Chicken? Like, no, it's like a bloodshed and like gangs and stuff. It's crazy.
2: I can't look at the like symbol of Colonel Sanders. Colonel
3: Sanders
2: with his bow because it looks like a big head with a tiny body yep. <laughs> and once you hear that you'll never unsee it you
3: look at the... it's not a
2: bow it's a yep.
3: tiny body that's right that's... <laughs> just the face with the bow it now looks like a little
1: okay tiny so tiny on story. our sermon show notes we'll have a link to Colonel Sanders <laughs> yeah. and with the tiny body and the bloody history of the of bloody the history of body. the Kentucky fried chicken well okay so we're, we're ending Galatians this is this Sunday we did it we walked through all six chapters it took us like what four months A while. I
3: kind of thought we were still going after this week. So when Sermon Readthrough was going, I was like, we're done. And it didn't quite hit me. I was
1: like. Was it because it didn't land? Like the (laughs) plane didn't land? Like this is the end? I don't know. I was like, surely we can't be done yet. See. We are. Do you want more? Don't call me don't Shirley. Don't call me, Shirley. Yay. Don't call me Shirley. Oh, nice airplane <laughs> reference. See, yeah, you're witty. See? Uh-huh. You're witty. We just
0: talked about airplane
1: we yesterday. <laughs> still, but it's still good. It's it funny. It doesn't really
2: age well, but it's a classic. Well,
1: parts of it age really funny. Yeah. Parts. There are a lot of parts. But this isn't true like most movies. Yeah. Most movies from the 70s, 80s, and 90s don't. Even just five years ago yeah. don't age well. Yeah. So, all right. So we ended, okay, we've been talking about kind of did a very brief recap, but, um, Paul is consistently talking about the obstacles to faith. And uh, we ended and I shared my story about uh, doing one of those obstacle races. Okay. So Megan, you had a great story. You did one of those obstacle race runs, which do you know which one it was? It was a warrior dash. You did a warrior dash. Yep. Okay. So tell me about the Warrior. I did, yeah. t- I did a uh, rug and maniac. First of
0: all, I hate running.
1: <laughs> me too. And
0: my, Co-workers at the time all decided this was going to be so fun and awesome. And I was like, yeah, but running. (laughs) (laughs) And I trained for this stinking thing. Like, I did like a couch. I think it was an app couch to like 5K or something like that. And so I'm like out there training every minute of it. I hate. Get to the actual warrior dash. And I was like, this is not going to be fun. Like, this looks (laughs) awful. And it was really fun, but I did get trapped in a
1: hole. You get trapped in a hole.
0: Oh, yeah. You had to, like, go in and then climb out. A pit of despair. It really was. <laughs> so, and I thought I was going to die in there, and I'm just telling all my friends, just go. Just go. <laughs> so, Let me die. How
2: did
1: you get out?
0: I had to dig my way out. And like, <laughs> so <laughs> you made, mean- like, little foot hangers for my feet and then I climbed out. But. So was it like wow. a steep
1: wall or was it just like that you couldn't get past the mud because it was slippery? Like, nah, tell me it the It wasn't bit.
0: really, I don't remember there being mud. I just remember most people had the upper body strength to like pull themselves completely oh, out. Yeah, yeah. I did not. I oh, didn't train sure. for that part of the 5 Yeah, <laughs> I'm
1: like you. When I did mine, I don't like running either. Like, my legs were not built for long distance mm-hmm. running. I can run a basketball court. Now I run a half court and I get tired, but <laughs> I, I running is not a thing for me either. Nope. D- have you done one?
2: I have not, but we did go to Ninja U.
1: Yeah. I don't know what that is. That
2: is a, um, American warrior ninja training facility. Okay. And they have several locations. One of them is in Cedar Falls Ooh. and it's very fun. And, uh, John's sister, Sari, got Gabriel, my son, our son, a, um, like, day pass there. Oh. And <laughs> sorry, got, gave <laughs> a day pass to this ninja you, they call it. And we went and we, I did the wall runs. I did, I don't have upper body strength, but I'm, a, I'm fast. Like, I like to run. I can run. I don't really do distances as well. But sprinter. I was more of a sprinter. I did track mm. all through high school, Good. and I really enjoyed it.
1: So if by sprinting you mean from like, one I can end? do a
2: four hundred meter dash, which is all the way around a track. That's a sprint.
1: Yep. Nope. Can't do that.
2: I can't. Or I can't.
0: That's bordering long. I can distance do. Too. I can do a one <laughs>
2: yeah, hundred meter dash. I was not quite fast enough for, but I had the endurance to do a two hundred and. Can
1: I could I could do like a twenty meter dash? <laughs> is that like from from the couch to the kitchen? Yeah.
2: About, I could, yeah. Do, that yeah. I could do that pretty quick. That's good. Good for you. How
1: about you? Have you done one before?
3: Not like not like what you did or Megan what you did. Uh, I I was in in middle school really was when I did cross country. Um, so not at so all, like have, an obstacle course. I have <laughs> like, experience. They do get popsicles at the end. It's true. <laughs> and I remember doing a couple five Ks um, with like the community. Uh, and so the, the, I I I have experience with running. But with obstacle courses, I think I would enjoy those a lot more just because, like, Ninja U is yes. a lot of fun to do the little obstacles here and there. So going long distances, just running, was okay for me, but I, I think I would enjoy so, something a little bit more. Well, and that's what's fun. So, obstacles. like, the Rugged yeah.
1: Maniac was 3.5 miles, or 3.1 miles. 3.1 miles? That's a 5K, whatever 5K, 5K is. Yeah. And they had 25 obstacles, So which means about every quarter mile, half mile, you're getting an obstacle. Mm -hmm. And some of them were really tough and some of them were were pretty simple. And, but that's the thing is like, you're, you're running, but you're not running very long. But by the time I got to the end, I was exhausted. And of course, I talked about this on Sunday, the only obstacle I didn't complete, they had this stupid thing where you had to jump and there was this little trampoline and you were supposed to spring up and then hit a bell and then you land Mm -hmm. in water and like, other people were doing it. I go to do it, and, like, I missed the thing by a good eight inches. And I'm like, whoa, and then I fall in the water. It was the only one I missed because here's the thing. No matter how much I jump in a trampoline, my arms only go so far. Yeah. Sure. But yeah. the warp wall was the big one for me. Like, I okay. Oh, yeah. so I'm you, really
2: good at a warp wall.
1: So you kind of harassed me on it because in the story, like, we actually talked about on Sunday morning is that, that the beauty of what I loved at the Rugged Maniac was – there were people at the end of it who were tired and they couldn't make it up the warp wall, and there was all these people up there that were different teams and people, but all running the same race who would help you up. Yep. And so I get to the end of the story and I share how like they offered to help me and I was like no, and I made <laughs> it up myself. And I was I struggled but I made it up. And Megan goes, yeah, I thought the story was great until you didn't ask for you their ruined help. It. <laughs> you <ruined it>. yeah. <laughs>
3: Dug it and yeah. muscled it through yourself. Wait a the minute. Point is
0: that others can help you run the race because they're running the same race and teamwork. community belongs. <laughs> but no, I had to do it all myself and I did it.
1: I <laughs> did. What? Because again, I didn't, I'm not trying to be the hero of the story here. That was I'm not gonna lie and be like, and I asked for help. No, but I, I made it up. But I remember, here's the thing with the obstacles, and again, I talked about this on Sunday, is when my friend asked me to do it, everything that went through my mind is what if I fail? Yeah. What if it doesn't work out? What if I look stupid? Um, what if I can't do it? And I had been working out at that point, but not extensively. Again, and if somebody not,
2: makes fun of my vertical jump?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, those are all <laughs> real things. Yeah. Those are all real things, right? And here we get to, and we get to the end of Paul's letter. And after everything he's been through, everything he's been writing about, all these things are about obstacles to faith. Yeah. And he starts off in Galatians 1 through 3 talking about the obstacle of racism, the obstacle of of believing that you can do things on your own, that you don't need the gospel, that you're saved by works. Uh, And then in five, it gets to the obstacle of our sin nature, trying to please the flesh. And even last week, we talked about sowing and reaping. You know, there's an obstacle there. Sometimes it's hard to sow in the patience that comes with that. And so we walk through these kind of the four obstacles that Paul kind of ends with, and where he gets to. And so what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about those and some of the things we shared in there. And can I just give a quick shout out? I've had a few individuals who've come up to me and tell me how much they're really getting out of the podcast yeah. and enjoying it. And uh, again, one of the things that you can do that helps us is if you're on Apple or on Spotify, go and leave a comment, leave, leave a thought or share the podcast with other people. I just, I'm, I'm excited to hear that there are people in our community that are listening and I've even talked to people who don't go to our church that are listening, That's which cool. is really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Uh, they and, have no idea who we are. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> no, they're, they're in our community or they're people that know me or oh. who know sure, other sure. people. Yep. Um, but it was I was listening to or reading an article from Kerry Newhoff. Yeah. And Kerry Newhoff is a leadership expert in the church world and in business world. And his article was talking about um, the future of church ministry and communication. And his whole thing was about the realm of podcasting. Mm-hmm. and that more and more people, what they want. And it was kind of an affirmation of what we're trying to accomplish here. His whole thing was, is that what people want to listen to is, yes, yeah, they want the Sunday morning experience, but they want to hear the things that didn't make it in. They want yeah. to hear the different points of view. Um, and I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like we're, we're heading in the right direction. Uh, so thank you guys for helping make this happen at Zion. Thank you, John Quigley, for being our, what is your, is your role producer? Is that what we call you? What do we call you? He's nodding his head. you can talk. I mean, they, they can't hear you, but they'll hear you. Uh-huh. So yeah. John Quigley and, and Sean Lumpkin helped produce and do all that. So thank you guys for that. So let's talk about these four obstacles to faith and the running the race. And I think, you know, the first one in verse 12, he actually talks about this idea of um, a, a pride and that particularly what he was dealing with in the ancient world was a religious pride of believing that following the laws of Moses made you righteous and, it was about circumcised, and if you were circumcised, you were in. If you were uncircumcised, you're out. We know how much like Derek likes talking about circumcision. Uh, what were you we going to say, John? No, it's just uh, sermon sermon read through. It's like, oh, here we go again. Every it's time we hear the word uncircum- circumcision, I look over at Derek to see his response, because he's like, we should sure talk about that. I'm like, no, it's Paul. Uh-huh. I don't want to talk about it.
3: Poor Titus. <laughs>
1: Poor Titus. <laughs> uh, biblical humor.
0: <laughs>
2: Cut
1: it off. Out. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Get it? That was another, that get was a um, one. But this realm of pride and how pride can get in the way of faith. And one of the things that I think is a bigger issue today, I don't think I see as much religious pride as I used to. I mean, it still is around. But I think a lot of the pride that I see more from Christians is pride of one thinking that their sin is too big for Jesus, that somehow the cross can't deal with their sin. Or the other one is it's too small for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like
2: Yeah, oh, he can't be bothered with
1: that. <clears throat> yeah, and sure. and even in that sharing one another's burdens, like James talks about that power of confession. Yes. Um, that there is something to be said that when we share our struggles, when we share our sins. So let me ask you guys a question. When you think about it, and, and I don't mean necessarily your own pride. I mean, maybe it is something you can talk about. But of that first one, are there times in you that sometimes pride becomes an obstacle for oh, your faith?
2: absolutely. I... Because of just my nature, my my personality, and who I am, um, and how I operate, I'm very task-based. My lips aren't working today so sorry, okay. friends. Um, and I'm very works-based is that, you know, Christianese term of where I feel like I have to earn it. But the other side of that is a false humility or this mm-hmm. shadow pride that comes out, especially if you're an Enneagram buff out there, one of the <laughs> types out there is a two. And <laughs> I just... <laughs> <laughs> I most identify as a type 2 and the helper, the giver. The helper, the giver, and their their sin of choice is pride. And I remember one time uh, John and I were in a restaurant and something somebody had said something or did something that I was just like immediately mm. turned my nose up at and I was like, oh, I would never. So <laughs> I am I am so much nicer than that. I am mm. I am so humble. And I literally said something almost verbatim to that. And then as it came out, this word vomit, like I wished I could have taken it back. And I said, Wow. It was like an out-of-body experience. I was a minute. so wait a minute. Did those
1: words just come out of my face?
2: I was so judgy, but I was like, oh, I would never judge someone like oh that. Oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> and <laughs> as
2: I was saying that, I was literally doing it. And so it was this like this. Idea of where I don't even realize how prideful I am, or can be. But now, as I've grown and more become more self aware, I catch it a lot faster. But it doesn't mean I don't. It's still do there. It. It's yeah, still, I, I'm so naturally inclined to be prideful, and I was like, "Why? I'm terrible."
0: I know. You know, but anyway.
1: How about how about you guys? Any? I. I'll, I'll, yeah.
0: Mine comes in the form of probably the religious spirit of because i've grown up in church all my life it's like i've checked every box and box checker kind of like i i get that proud like ah yeah i've done like a million bible studies like cool
1: <laughs> the yeah, yeah, one, yeah. i guess like
0: yep. i don't not that not and I, I would never say that i've arrived or that i know it all but a lot of times in the back of my mind, I think I do.
1: I said those yeah. words one time actually out loud when I was in high school. I think I've arrived. Yeah. <laughs> I literally said that my youth pastor me was like, you're an idiot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like you deep know, down, no I know I haven't, but. Yeah. Well, and, and so if you actually,
1: yeah, yep. you preached about that. And that's actually part of our sermon bumper is you talked about, like, you would have been a Judaizer. Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. Like
1: They're my people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I see you older brother yeah.
1: over there. <laughs> well, I, you know what I like about that, and this is what I love about the authenticity of that, is to be able to acknowledge and say, yeah, we can struggle with that. Like, sometimes uh-huh. that's the other pride is we don't want to admit it. Oh, yeah. Um, because if we admit it, it's somehow we think we're less than or the people are going to find out our dirty little secret. Right. Mm. How, about, how about you, John? You have... Well, I was going to say
3: something similar to the, the, the what you said, Megan, where I, f- I find that sometimes I under, like I think I understand everything there is, everything that I need to understand, um, and I would never in a million years say uh, something to the effect of, well, I know, I know better, I know I know more than you, or I I I don't need to learn anything else. But that's what I'm thinking or feeling sometimes where I'm like, I don't need to keep learning and digesting and reading and growing. It's I'm I'm good. Yeah. We're good. It's good. We're we're fine here.
1: Just to to sit
3: and to arrive.
1: And that's what so I'm thinking So literally as my I'm head. saying, what you're going through your head is I would never say that, Jason. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's well, what we have in
1: common. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, you're both Enneagram nines. Yes. yes. Again, this is not an Enneagram podcast, but it's something we talk about quite a bit. I uh, I don't have anything that I'm, I'm, I've am i got it all figured out. <laughs> Do <laughs> no. you
0: want us to give you
1: some? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like I think about um, kind of how my pride, and even as I was reading this, particularly when I was uh, early on in ministry and when I was first in school, I wanted to impress people with my knowledge. Sure. Right. And once I got my degree, I remember thinking, and, and this was part of again, I didn't go to college till my thirties. So I went to Northwestern in Minneapolis. I, mean, I started at thirty-one years old, and
2: that gives me help.
1: Yeah, well, and, I mean, like I, I graduated, I graduated with my MDiv in two thousand thirteen. Wow. Yeah. And the downside of that is that college tuition got really high in those ten years that I didn't go to school.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Woo!
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember thinking that once I got my MDiv, I would I would feel a certain way and that I had this knowledge. And, and I, I don't know if I've shared this on a Sunday morning, but I remember um, I think it was my second year of my, my MDiv program. And the guy who heads it up, his name was Randy Nelson, which I know he's not listening to this. But if he was, it's a props to you, Randy Nelson, because he tolerated a pretty obnoxious, arrogant Jason mm-hmm. in my early 30s. Um, so he asked me to come and speak to a group of students. That were incoming uh, MDiv students, oh. graduate or postgraduate students, graduate, graduate students, postgraduate's a yeah. doctorate. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, so, Randy, how come you want me to come speak to this? He goes, you want the honest answer? I'm like, yeah. Have you heard this story before? <laughs> no, but oh, I my... can imagine. So he looks at me and he goes, you know, Jason, I had you in the, when you were doing the bachelor's, I couldn't stand you. And I'm like, what? It's like, dude, you were so cocky. And yeah, you were smart and you wanted everybody to know it. He goes, but I watched during the MDiv program, there's was like something shifted inside of you. And I don't see that side of you anymore. And what it was is I realized I knew nothing. <laughs> like, and that's what I thought. I thought having a master's would make me feel smarter and it, it would affirm. And in reality, it it broke it broke down a lot of false pride and things that I thought I knew. And there was, and I said, so what you're telling me is the reason why you want me to to be in there is because you didn't like me. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, but I don't see that now. Like, I enjoy having you in class. You ask more questions, give less answers. Hmm. And uh, I can even point to a moment when it kind of became a kairos for me, a a moment of breakthrough. Um, I had a professor who, he uh, he had like two, two graduate degrees, so two doctorates. Wow. And one was in like Romans chapter one through seven. Yeah. Like, think about that for a yeah. second. He had an entire doctorate degree dedicated to seven chapters of Romans. So I asked him a question about the book of Revelation, and he goes, well, I don't really know. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? It's like, well, my doctorate's in Romans 1 through 7, and I'm like, and then I think it was also in uh, New Testament languages, Greek, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but you got to have an opinion about this text. He goes, no, I don't have any. I don't, I don't know. Like, but you have two doctorates. Like, you're doctor doctor. Like, you yeah. should... <laughs> Give
3: him yeah. the
0: news. And, and he's like,
1: no, I, I don't know. And that struck me because I realized, and this is what I was confronted with, out of my own insecurity, because that's what pride is usually rooted yeah. in. Oh. My pride is I was trying to impress people because I thought if they knew how much I know and endear them to me, or that it would make me feel better or more special. Yeah. And... uh just realizing that's where my sin comes in. And as an Enneagram 7, since we're all talking about that, when a 7 is, is going in security, they go to the type 5, which is that person who's an investigator. Well, when I feel secure in myself, I do enjoy knowing and learning, but I stop feeling the need to always have to share it with people there are things yeah. that now i'm just learning for myself and to grow in my and lord there's an
2: incredible professional phenomenon called the kroger dunning effect oh, do you I know what it. that is yep. is that the
1: imposter syndrome
2: no it's kind of kind of like that yeah. yeah it's very similar where um the more you know the more you know you don't know mm-hmm. it's that kind of effect mm-hmm. where as you begin learning you have very high confidence and then as you go through this valley of learning, you go, oh, my goodness, I don't know anything. I'm yeah. an idiot. And then when you actually reach mastery level, you start to even out, and it gives you a true humility for the craft, even though you are a master. Yeah, right. Which the I would the Kroger Dunning effect. And I'm not
1: in a master by any means, but...
2: Well, a master's <clears throat> degree, master, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And here's what I realized. You know what a master's degree just means? Is I did a little bit more than the average bear.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, there it is. There's that humility. And, <laughs>
1: Well, but, yeah. the 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 flip
3: side too is true. It's like and if you if you choose to or you just don't know anything about a particular subject, you may very drastically over you think you're so yeah, so Yes, good.
2: it's it's a it's yeah. a false sense of security that you have in this topic where you're like you don't even realize how much you don't know yep. because yeah. you don't know. Because yep.
1: you because you well, I watched a podcast. I listened to a podcast. Yes. I watched a video. Now I'm an expert. I right? get my
2: research mm-hmm. from Facebook or Google, yeah. things yeah. like that, where you don't sure. realize.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think even even in church, sometimes we foster this because I remember. Again, I didn't become a Christian till high school, but we would still do sword drills. Yeah. Which oh, yeah. sword drills is where you had? We him, do them
2: in kids' church, right?
1: And and it was you were pl- you were praised for the amount of scripture you had memorized. <laughs> we and, don't
2: do that as well. <laughs> yeah, like that was
1: like that was the thing. We would have competitions and we'd do trophies and sure. and it was like. I remember at one point, you weren't allowed to go on a mission trip unless you had these 13 verses memorized. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so even in our church culture, we so, it became this like, no, this, the gold standard, how you know that you're a good Christian is that you have knowledge of Scripture. And Jesus talks about this, you know, you you honor God with your lips, but your hearts are far from Him. The Pharisees knew the Bible better than most. Yeah. Satan knows the Bible better than I do. Yeah,
2: he quotes yeah. Scripture right back at Jesus there. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, and so I think... I think that's when I read that pride. I, I kind of went, you know, that's a real thing. I think on the other side of that, and this is where the twisted sense of pride, I can tell you there are times in my life where I know that there are sins, but I call them, I'm going to deem them small sins, right? They're not sure. major sins. I'm like, well, I don't really need the Spirit's help for that.
2: Yeah, anger, gluttony, yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. gossip. Those are mine. <laughs> I, can, I,
1: can just, I can just do it in my own willpower. Yeah. And that's, I think, a big obstacle. So let me ask another question. Excuse me. It kind of leads to the second... Uh, The second obstacle, which goes right with pride, which is this idea of people-pleasing. Now, Kate, you had shared, you had said that that there's something that comes with people-pleasing. Talk about that one. Yeah, so
2: that's another part of that pride. I love that you said that it goes right into it, because I was thinking that, too, um, during your sermon on Sunday, that, wow, these kind of lead into each other. But people-pleasing is something I struggle with, and it wasn't until someone, I can't remember if it was a therapist or a counselor when it was, like, just— Researching and learning about people-pleasing and how to help people, other people, here I am, people-pleasing other people to help them work on their people-pleasing, anyway, Mm -hmm. is actually a form of control. That While you're people-pleasing, what you're trying to do most generally is control their reactions towards you, how they respond and react to you and Mm -hmm. the, the situations in your life. It's actually a form of pretty deep manipulation. You don't want to look at that, you know. It's like, oh no, I just want people to like me.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's
2: manipulation.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I would, you know, I would say for myself, I would, I think on an average day, I would be like, no, I don't, I don't. People, that's not something I do. I don't go out of my way to, you know, uh, make people really happy or make people like me. But that's definitely there. That that idea of I want people to look at me and view me a certain way. Usually, I want people to. He's a nice guy. Yeah, that John's a nice guy. I'd like you to think that
1: about me. So Megan, you and I talked about this because mm-hmm. this is the role that you're in, in our job has the opportunity to not please people very well.
0: No, and I hate it because I am on a scale of one to a hundred of people pleasing. I am a ninety-nine. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, it is a big. I want people to like me. I want them to think I'm friendly and kind. And usually that goes into well, if I can. Be on your side and agree yeah. with you. You're going to like me. And yep, so exactly. I fall into that trap all the time. And then I have to like back my way out of like, actually, this is really what I think. Do you still like me?
1: <laughs> um, yep. All the time. So, yep. Well, and, and like the, the Judaizers and the Pharisees, part of what they struggled with is the people pleasing they wanted was that control. Yes. We want you to think we have our stuff together. Yes. That we're more spiritual than you are.
2: Which leads into that pride. Yeah. yeah, they
1: kind of they kind of feed into they each other do. in a very unhealthy way. I um for years I would argue that I, I wasn't a people pleaser, okay. and then as I started doing my own work, going through therapy, some of the lies that I believed in my own life. I'm yeah. like, wow, I really do please people, and a lot of times, and I think I think some of it comes down to is, um, you know, again we have all these psychology terms or terms that have become part of our culture. And I think had the Bible been written today, yeah. I think they would have used some of these. But like codependency, mm-hmm.
2: yes, I think. Codepend- oh, I'm so glad you said that.
1: I think codependency is a word that Paul or Jesus would have used, because the Pharisees, as much as they tried to be independent. They really were dependent upon everybody else's view of them believing they were elite. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, and unfortunately, codependency, you know, when we're talking about these obstacles of faith, if you think of people-pleasing, that leads into codependency, which is like people-pleasing on crack. You know, It's like steroids. It's like super hyped up, people pleasing. How about it's, is It's idolizing.
1: How about past crack? Let's just like pixie sticks. Like hey, everybody yeah. remembers pixie sticks, right? <laughs> sorry, or a I'm jolt sorry, I'm doing like a
0: crack reference.
1: Yeah, you went straight <laughs> to the drugs.
0: I know, uh, so Gigi sad. had a Fun Dip the other day and she thought it was gross. And I was like, I'll eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drink that sugar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll uh, no lie. I love the little candy stick and Fun Dip. Yes. Nothing yeah. tastes amazing. It's so good. It's
2: good. <laughs> okay, can I give you a tip? I like the bunny rabbit. Scrape
1: it with me, Oh, you scrape it with teeth. So, okay. So, this is, this is they don't sell it here, but I think you can get it on Amazon. There's a drink called Cactus Cooler that they sell in the, in the West Coast. Okay. Tastes just like the dipstick. Huh. Oh, Cactus Cooler. You got to try it. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah, it's, I don't know what the flavors are, but it's awesome. But uh,
0: codependency,
2: um, codependency <laughs> is a form of like idolatry. Yeah, it really is. You're making that the thing you worship. All of your time, talents and treasures goes to this other thing. And it's, it's self-serving. It's yeah. an idolatry. It's not only idolatry to that other person or the other party, whether it be multiple people like the, the Pharisees and yeah. to the Jewish people. Or to themselves, it's this constant feeding of idolatry, whether it be that person or yourself, that is a cycle.
1: What's crazy is they twisted it and made it. Well, this is what pleases God, and they got that from Scripture. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the thing that I think. Scary. I think sometimes that's what we miss, though. Is part of sometimes our unhealth in our gospel is we twist Scripture to make it say something that we think it's supposed to Mm -hmm. say, Mm -hmm. and it, it does say those words, but we're taking it out of context. You know, the the Pharisees were basically obsessed with the Shema, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one, impress these statutes upon you when you go to bed, when you wake up, yeah. uh, when you're walking, when you lay down. And they were like, look, we're doing that, we're doing that, we're impressing them, and they missed the heart of it. Mm-hmm. And yet we still do that today. I mean, again, let's yeah. go back to the Bible memorization. Part of my codependency is I wanted my youth pastor to think I was a good godly kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But more importantly, Before I wanted Jesus to like me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as if somehow if I did those things. Okay, so let me ask this. When you think about people pleasing in your faith, how does it become an obstacle to your relationship with Jesus?
2: Mm-hmm. I think that it gets me twisted on why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I love to serve. I love mm-hmm. going on missions. I love, that's why I'm cooking 35 pounds of chicken tonight. Like, I love to serve. And that's what made helped me fall in love with Jesus. But I don't serve to fall in love with Jesus or to be loved by Jesus. It's because he loved me first that I serve. And sometimes so you can I get twist twisted. Yeah, right. Or it's like, oh, am I earning it or am I doing it because I already have it?
1: So is, is that something that you guys, like, I'll be honest. I don't like mission trips. Never have. <laughs> People like, I love getting dirty for Jesus. I want to swing a hammer. I'm like, I don't know. I don't like swinging a hammer for Jesus. I don't like roofing yeah. or digging ditches <laughs> i get dirty through people's emotional stuff like you want to sit yeah. down and do count cal- or coaching you want to walk through issues mm-hmm. i'm all about that yeah but like and i i was when i was the pastor at my last church their whole purpose of a church was that they weren't one giant mission trip mm-hmm. like everything they do was about serving people and then i made the comment to them like i hate i don't like it i don't and it looked to me like I was weird. Like, yeah. what's wrong with you? Do you love Jesus? You just serve
0: in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: How about you guys? I mean, do you find, do you find that that, how does people pleasing get in the way for you guys in, in your relationship with Christ? Cricket? Cricket? No.
0: Um, I guess I fall into the habits or the routines and it just becomes something I do. Mm-hmm. And it's almost become my identity as in what I do not. Yeah why i do it and who it's for um so i frequently have to remind myself just because i work at a church doesn't mean diddly squat like i still Mm -hmm. have to take up my cross i still have to do all my daily devotions i have to work harder at it i feel like now than when i didn't work at a church and so it's it's that daily reminder of like you haven't arrived Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but but doing it not just to please those around me or now coworkers or now the congregation, um, but doing it because Jesus asks me to and it's worth it and it's yeah. the best. Yeah. When it when it comes from a place of purity and honesty, like that's what you like really are craving. And yeah. I think yeah. we just get caught up in in trying to find that feeling in other yeah. things.
1: So when you were yeah. saying that, something struck me and it it's never hit me this way before just like we use people pleasing to try and control people i wonder if we try to we try to please god in order to control god yeah, yeah. i did this so that god will do this mm-hmm. yeah right. and so if i go on this mission trip if i give this god now is required to bless me financially, yeah, to bless, bless me with health. And then when. It's a form of
0: prosperity, yeah.
2: It's
1: a form yeah. of prosperity gospel. Like, mm-hmm. Even I w- if
2: you're chasing the feeling of it, like yeah. I, I, I miss that high that I got when I first fell in love with Jesus. So I'm mm-hmm. chasing it now. Yeah. And mission trips are often a high
0: experience.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was going to
3: say. Yeah, sometime, sometimes the. Uh, when I worked at
1: camp, what
3: was the name of the camp? Uh, it was uh, Inspiration Point. He's got
1: an Inspiration, inspiration Point. Camp and Retreat Center. Um, in, uh, what is this Cotterall, thing called? Minnesota. A pullover? Is that what this is? Three quarters. Yeah, up. three quarters. Mm-hmm. Three
3: quarters. Half my wardrobe. Well, probably less Ooh. than half now is uh, Kate
1: Inspiration Did make you point. get rid of some of it? <laughs> some of them
2: are falling apart in the washer.
1: I don't know how bleach got on this. I don't, I don't know what happened. But it would be,
3: you know... For, for kids coming in, it's, it's a mountaintop experience. It's it's a week where you get to really encounter Jesus, and we, we have this space set aside for kids to encounter Jesus. And then a big part of it, especially for the older kids, middle school and definitely high school, what do you do when you go back? Don't let this be the end. Don't let it be, I had this really great mountaintop experience, and now I'm going to wait you know, 11 Until months. Next summer. Until See you next
1: summer, God. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So can, can I ask at camp, and I don't maybe things changed over the years, but when I was a kid in yeah. high school, um, the last three days of camp were always tear-filled and people, <laughs> and, and their relationships are having oh, tons of emotional manipulation in it. And then you go back and you don't feel those same things and all of a sudden you're like, well, is God real, no, I just need to get back to camp. Mm-hmm. Is that still a thing? Do Do, well, do kids still cry or do usually, they kind of move away from usually
3: that? Usually the, 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 I mean, we, We'd have kids there for four to five days, depending on the camp, like the age group. Um, and yeah, I mean, definitely with some of my own group of guys, you know, the last few nights would be really great for connection. Because I, I, I'm not going to say anything, personal stories or anything, but I've had kids Who are going through some really hard times, and the rest of the cabin just—well,
1: that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the friends or friends forever from Michael W. Smith singing in the Uh 1980s and 90s, where you basically were manufacturing emotions because you you got overwhelmed with this sense of being. I'm that's like that's real stuff. I'm not talking. No, it's weird
0: though. I still remember my camp friends. Like if Mm -hmm. I ran into them, I'd be like, "Yeah, best friends."
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Me too. One of them is my wife. See? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely like, understand what
2: you're talking about, though, yeah. with, like the emotional manipulation, but I think the the other side of it is like it probably started from a good place of like, Always. the camp is a good thing, yeah. but then now you're twisting it and you're trying to manufacture it and you're yeah. people-pleasing to get that, you know, yeah. or you, it's a false confidence, you know, and we're going into that in that next section. Well, which brings yeah. us
1: to the obstacle number three. It almost feels like each of these kind of play into each other. They it's do. like one obstacle after another. So it goes from pride to people-pleasing, and then this third one, which is kind of a weird one, and, and it feels like a twist, but it's really not. And it's the praise, passion, and confidence. Um, what are you putting your confidence in? And Paul is saying, my confidence is in Christ. Yeah. My confidence is not in good works. It's not in circumcision. It's not in the law. It's in what Jesus did for me. And we talked about this idea of these, these three things, praise, passion, and confidence. And we, we broke it down like, when you think about what do you praise? Yeah. What do you elevate? What do you put in your life? And I'll say, for me, um, there are things that I can elevate over Jesus, over my relationship with Christ. And when they begin to take center stage, all of a sudden Jesus kind of moves on the back burner. Yeah. And or, and this sounds weird, but I think there's even a danger sometimes in churches. We elevate the Holy Spirit over Jesus, for any of the Holy Spirit is there to come alongside of us to point us towards Jesus. Sure. And sometimes we make the Holy Spirit the goal of Christianity when the Holy Spirit's saying, no, 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 stop looking at me. Stop looking at me. I'm here to point you back at Christ towards Mm -hmm. the cross. Um, When you think about that, what are some of the dangers that you guys see? And if you want to talk about your own, but others, what are some of the things that we praise? And then after that, we're going to talk about what are some of the passions that we lean into in our confidence?
2: I think we kind of said it in the sermon we are talking about like praise. And I think I mentioned like titles and things like that. But just when we're talking now, I, I thought of my own where it's like, you see it with other people too. You always know somebody that won't stop talking about like their golden child.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that's
2: that's what they're they're constantly praising this child and want you to be a part of that too. Like, look look and see how great this is. Don't you think it's great? It is great. Let me tell you how great it is.
1: You know. <laughs> My mind immediately went to Eddie Murphy in The Golden <laughs> Child when you said
3: uh, I, You know what's funny? is You said Golden Child, and immediately I thought, like, Golden Calf from the yeah. Bible, an idol. Oh, so you're more spiritual idol. than I am. I went straight to Eddie Murphy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: <It's>
3: Please. <laughs> but
2: I think I do that even with Gabe. I, I don't know if, John, you had this experience when we first started dating, but, like, mm. I definitely elevate my child. You know, I definitely... Yeah. think that he can do no wrong. I know that's not true. But, like, you can see, I see that even with parents in, yeah. in our kids' program that sometimes, oh, I can't, you know, we've got things, you know, I've got all these sports that my kids are in and they're, they're like, bragging about this busyness of their student yeah. or it's like, yeah, okay, you don't have to tell me all day to just say you can't be here. That's okay.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I even get the, like, opposite of that sometimes, feeding into the people-pleasing again, but I'll share a story that happened with my kid that was negative in oh, a way shit. to, like, see, like, I'm on your level or, like, I can relate or I can, like... <laughs> yeah. You I'm know, like, you, should, yeah, I'm not perfect either. Like, oh, parenting's hard. Yeah, we're in this I'm together. Suffering. I'm not doing yeah. it to, like... I don't know. Other, than, I'm. Yeah. I'm just trying to feed myself. Yeah. Which is weird. Parenting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is so weird. It is.
1: Well, and, but even in like, I think all relationships, marriage is weird. Parenting yeah, is weird. Like, I
2: pick a thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like they all bring something out. I think even you know sometimes what we elevate the thing that we worship. Um, it can be a title. Yeah. It can be an experience. Um, I, what I find is the things that I can't stop talking about. So we just talked about the enneagram. That's one of the dangers that comes yeah. with things like yeah. the Enneagram is now all of a sudden the Enneagram is the hope of the world.
2: It's no longer a tool. It's
1: yeah. It just makes you a tool.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what a one more sticker. Hey-o. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think, I think that's part of like, but we, it's such an easy thing to get into. Yeah. And when something replaces the cross as the thing you elevate, it does it. Um, how about one of the things that we put our passions in because our passions can often become an obstacle to our relationship with Christ. Um, I think about, uh, for me, one of my passions over the last couple of years has been golf. Sure. I've really enjoyed golf. Mm. And one, I'm not good, so I have nothing really <laughs> to brag about. <laughs> so I can't... But, but uh, you enjoy it. You can't it boast in
2: yeah. it, very, but you do go. But
1: I, well, and sometimes I, I think that if I golf, and, and I've done this with other sports, when I did weightlifting or volleyball or basketball or reading, all of a sudden, sports. Yes. yeah, reading. sports yes. and reading <laughs> Sorry. and reading, right? But here's right. what I did something with music is that when I was struggling, I went to that thing to find hope. Yes. That passion as the source that was going to bring healing, not the actual healer. Yeah. And and, and that, that passion actually, again, got in the way of going to the source of joy. And and I think there's nothing wrong with golf. There's nothing wrong with playing sports or reading sure. or doing those things. But I think that kind of twisted for me. How about you guys? Are there things that you think of that come in? Um...
2: With the passion, I immediately think of, like, when I think of passion, I think of, like, the fire, you know, when you think of, like, oh, yeah. that person's really on fire for yeah. Jesus. Like, that's the positive thing where it's, like, they have a lot of passion for Jesus. Okay, but I can't help it, but I immediately go to, like, a relationship. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? I think I think of when John and I first started dating, mm. It can get twisted where I'm so passionate about John and like I want to look good, I want to do good, I want to be good. I shave my legs every day, you know. Like no, just kidding, but like that's real. Like you start talking, and start, then she
1: got married. No more shaving.
2: <laughs> you start, you take care of yourself in a different way because you're so passionate about this that you you really want to put the time and effort and the work into it. You put the grit down to the stone, right? Yeah. You know, like that's it's it's hard work, and you're you're willing to continue at it. And it, when it's a good thing, it's for Christ, and it's for your faith. But when it's a bad thing, I immediately thought of, like, a relationship. How often you see people that, like, oh, they're really passionately in love with this new relationship. Yeah. Uh huh. But what happens when the fire f- starts to fizzle?
1: Or how quickly they'll use that relationship as a way to get away from Jesus. Yes. It's like, I can't tell you how many, it's like, and, and I'm guilty, so this is not pointing fingers. I, the challenge for us is our job is church.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. us
1: being in church is, like, That's kind of our responsibility. Right. That's our that's our responsibility. But how often do I find people? They start dating a new girl. They find a new sport, and we don't see them for six, seven, eight weeks. Why? Because they were living out their passion, and then they wonder why their relationship with Christ is not solid. Mm -hmm. And it's because they the cross wasn't their passion, and that's hard Mm -hmm. because the cross is it. Let's be honest, the invitation to the cross is to come and die. Uh And whereas the invitation to golf is to come and swing a club and Mm
0: -hmm. get frustrated
1: at a little white ball, (laughs) enjoy the right, and it's it's not as appealing. The cross is not appealing at times, Mm -hmm. and so therefore it can sometimes skew our passion. How about you guys? Yeah. Well, I think
3: I don't think there's too many times where I would boast. I read Galatians, and and Paul's like, you know, I boast in Christ. I boast in In what he's done for me and I'm like I don't think I've ever boasted about too much I'm I'm trying to think of like have I have I I, have I been out there being like I thought that was really good about this
1: except for a tv show or a movie Uh, that's right or a book series but here's the thing though here's the thing the
3: passions I, I I would I would say they don't come up very often but if you get me talking about uh, a particular book series, The Wheel of Time me, series. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. If you get me talking about a TV show that I really like or hobby that I really like, I'll go on for hours and hours D-D-D. and hours and hours. Oh yes, and it's, that
1: was the creepiest. Oh yes. Oh
3: yes.
2: He's passionate about it, and it
3: it goes and go and 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 I I have to stop myself sometimes and go, where is that? Sort of interest and just free-flowing talking and explaining and yeah. and, and sharing when it comes to my faith. And or then like, people,
1: well, part of it is also like, do you remember a Jesus freak in the nineties? What will people mm-hmm. say? Like, if you talk about Jesus too much, I have
0: that rap memorized.
1: Yeah, do it. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> give me just give me, give me give me a little bit, just a little bit. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part was when his belly would.
1: I want I, I, like, I wanna Marmalee hear you jelly. say it. I wanna hear you no, say it not come doing it. on.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it just got really awkward in here, Maggie. All, like, oh, we I'm were doing also this. talking
0: about tattoos and that there's a
1: you we're know. gonna get to that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. marmalade, jelly, ho, ho, ho.
0: Yeah,
1: there was a man with a tap. Oh, you <laughs> almost did it. But okay. <laughs> uh, moved away from
0: the mic. <laughs> so
1: but here's our thing, like our passion is also we tend to put our confidence in. And and it's so easy to put our confidence because I think the other part is. We've all seen those people that are Jesus, weird, freak people, freaky, and I've been one of those. That's not actually who I want to be. I don't want to be the guy who doesn't... The jerk
2: for Jesus.
1: Yeah, the jerk for Jesus, or the one who people are like, you can talk about things other than Jesus. Sure. Like, sometimes I wonder if people didn't want to hang out with Paul because all he wanted to do was talk about (laughs) Jesus. He was hideous. Oh, well, yeah.
0: (laughs) You've never seen him. I you're you're right.
1: Sorry, <laughs> Paul. Church when I history, get up there,
0: don't scold
2: me. Church history
1: tells us he. he you're was, gonna get
0: up there and be like, ah, Paul. <laughs> what if he's like, I knew like it. what if
1: we get up there and he looks like Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
0: Paul. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: You don't have a hook nose at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Much taller
1: than
0: I thought
1: you'd be. <laughs> so I think this that leads to our fourth one and it's our purpose. And we talked about that role of brand and, and I, you know, we brought in that reference to tattoos mm-hmm. and that in, a lot of times we'll have conversations. I've had conversations with people wanting to know if tattoos are good or bad, if they're against the Bible. And usually people will quote Leviticus where it tells us that we shouldn't have marks on our bodies. And the point of that text is not that tattoos are wrong. It's what's the motivation behind the tattoo. All right. And I've heard people say, you don't desecrate a temple. It's not desecration if it's you consider it. Did you eat it. an
2: entire chocolate cake before? Because
1: mm-hmm. no. that's
2: desecrating a temple. Yeah.
1: Right, right. But it's why you do it. And I actually, I talked about this in Sermon Read Through. I've had some friends who, before they were Christian, put tattoos on their bodies that they're very ashamed by. Some mm-hmm. of them were filled with images or icons of things that no longer represent them. And you were talking about that uh, people who, you know, at a previous way of life put like, the swastika on their body. Yeah. And that now there are tattoo shops that will erase that or cover it up for those who are like, I don't want that. Yeah. And I remember talking, I, I wish I could remember the guy's name, but he had tattoos from when he was in the military service that, I mean, they were very graphic, yeah. um, very sexual tattoos. And when he became a Christian, he would always wear long sleeves because he was so embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. Even though it was a reminder, it was a reminder of his old life. And I know he, want, he got some of them covered and some removed. But Paul uses this idea because really what tattoos were about branding. Yeah. And we this talked. Is who I am. We kind of ended with how our, our, this whole idea of brand has become so important to our culture today, whether it be the brand of a business, uh, the brand of a church, a person's brand. Social media mm-hmm. has now made a whole, like branding is you are a person with a brand. And a tattoo was a way of branding yourself. It, it was a way of saying this is who I belong to. This is what I'm about or what belongs to me. And Paul goes through this litany of things that happens to him in Corinthians, where he says all these things, like shipwrecked a bunch of times, beaten, lashed thirty-nine times, the forty minus one because it was believed that if you hit forty, the person wouldn't survive. So you you lashed them to the point near death. Uh, he went naked. All these things. His body was one giant tattoo, one brand. Every scar was a brand of his love for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I remember as we were, as I was kind of processing through that and as I was writing the message and thinking through that, we live in a culture where just quite frankly like it can be tough just to want to read my Bible each day. Mm -hmm. Like just to pick up to, or, and you know, you'll get this as a staff member of church. There are Sundays, I don't want to be at church. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk to people who, I love Jesus, but man, it was so hard to get to church today. Could you imagine talking to Paul and saying that? Could you imagine sitting face... You know, Paul, I didn't make it today, and it's not that a church is the goal. Jesus is the goal. But saying, you know, I I know that it's it, I had a really rough night the night before. And I could picture Paul going, oh, "You you see this? you've had a rough night?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was lashed 39 times again. Would, would you like to peel the scabs off my back yeah, like I could. Yeah. And it's how do you, of it? But doesn't that could also lead to a false pride? Yes. Like no, I don't hear Paul. Paul never uses these things as a way to say I'm more spiritual than you yeah. are. He uses them to say, listen, my life belongs to Jesus, and I boast in what Jesus done. Every scar on his body, every encounter he had was his way of saying, I belong to Christ. Mm -hmm. And these are my brands. These are the tattoos on me. You want to know what I belong to? I belong to Jesus. And I started thinking, I'm like, what do I have in my life that would be a brand? Because let's be honest, we live in America. We don't have a lot of suffering for our faith. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so how do we interpret, like, how do we apply this idea of belonging to Jesus, the branding of our bodies for Jesus? And I think it's so much more why I got a Jesus. I got a cross tattoo. Or if it was in the 90s, it was a thorns that made a shape of a cross. (laughs) Right, yeah. 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 What do you you guys think? I mean, that really convicted me because, one, I don't know how to apply it.
2: I think, like, when we think of purpose... And suffering for our faith or this branding, and he's talking about these tattoos and all these things that he went through that are in evidence of, like, his brand, these you know. I think of, yeah, in, a, in, a, in the United States, we probably don't actually suffer in the way that Paul did, and, you know, thank God. But I do think that there is a silent suffering that we have and that there is a, um, a constant battle of our souls and our eyes and our mouths and our thoughts that are constantly, you know, determined by other brands in media, oh, yeah. and books, and, um, you know, even just the, the simple obediences of whether or not you get up and go to church on a Sunday morning is hard. And then on top of that, being a staff member and all the, the the hard things that go with that, the obediences are hard and they become even harder because our world is a very easy world. Yeah, And it's, yeah, it's, it's, getting the, it's getting harder and harder to do something that really shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be that hard to just go to church on a Sunday morning at 1030. Like you can still sleep in, you can go. It shouldn't yeah. be that hard, but it is. And why? It's these silent sufferings yeah. that we're going through that are... That are, you don't want to invalidate somebody's struggles, but on the other side, you do need the perspective of Paul. I'm like, yeah, I guess I don't have it that bad. But yeah, I know it is hard. Yeah. I know it is hard. I know your kids are important. I know you're tired. I know you have a lot going on. I know COVID has driven you crazy, and you don't want another thing to do, and you don't want to have to wear a mask. All these things, right? And I think of that, but the purpose... My purpose, I really struggled in in COVID when I couldn't do in-person children's ministry. Who was I if I was not Z Kids leader? Mm -hmm. And it really helped. You know, I I equated purpose to calling or purpose to a profession or purpose to whatever. And it finally, like, hit me that my purpose is to be a loving and consistent mouthpiece for the Word of God. Whether it be to children or a waitress or somebody in the grocery store with me. I can do that anywhere, anyhow. And I should be able to be content with how I'm able to do that purpose.
0: Yeah.
1: I think, I mean, preach. <laughs> um, well, and I think I think this is what, what as I, we were kind of coming to the end of this, he talks about this family aspect. I think one of the hard parts about belonging, if you really belong to a church, is there's a level of accountability that when you are not showing up, like, I think okay, I think about my, my relationship with my wife. My wife is my best friend. She knows me better than anybody else which means she also knows when I'm not doing my job better than anybody else as yeah. a husband. And I think about the times that my wife has had hard conversations with me and I didn't like them and I wanted to make excuses. I wanted to hide. And I think sometimes the reason why some people don't really get invested in church is they don't want to be known. Yeah,
0: right. There's
1: there's a there's a yeah. security and which goes back to that pride, people pleasing praise. Mm-hmm. You want to hide in the shadows. And when you actually belong to a church, like and we've all heard this, you know, I know people who... They come to church once every eight weeks, and then when they stop coming for four or five months, so like, well, no one called me. We didn't know that you had stopped coming because you only came once every eight weeks. Mm-hmm. But when you're regularly invested, when you are actually belong to the community, which is why Paul uses that language of brothers and sisters, yeah. it's family language. If you're around them, and they, if I see you every Sunday, and all of a sudden you're gone for six weeks, three oh. weeks, two weeks, yeah. You right. better you better be sure someone's gonna notice. But that only happens in connection. And that goes back to that the rugged maniac. Like when we get to the end, when we get to the final destination, the reason why we got there wasn't because of grit myself.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. I am where I am as a man, as a husband, as a father, because of the people in my life who pulled me along at times where I wanted to give up mm-hmm. where I got
2: Or do it myself. Mm-hmm. Or do it myself.
1: Wow. Yeah. Or got stuck in the hole.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Where I got stuck or, you know, or, or I missed the, I, I wanted to go, this was way too hard. But you first have to be willing to be known. Yeah. And I, I think that's so tough. All right. So closing thoughts, guys. Uh, last thoughts. We've finished Galatians. Galatians is done. We're about ready to start our Lent series. Yeah. And we're going to be looking at new wine and kind of the new ways that, okay, you want to know here one of the things I'm really excited about? So every Sunday, I was talking to Sean, I want one one to two songs every week that are old. Oh, and I mean older than 10 years, like okay. from the early 2000s, 90s. So here's what I want Stop. you to do. Tell Sean, ahead. I think this would be a great song to do. Because here's what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks or over this next series. It's just because we're moving towards new doesn't mean we forget the old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's beauty in celebrating what was. We just don't want to live in what was. Yeah. And, and so that's what we're heading to. But all that being said, we're now wrapping up Galatians Closing thoughts on the book of Galatians. Was there one thing out of this entire series that you were like, and there might have been more, but choose one thing that for you went, this really hit me, or this was one thing that I really felt like God encouraged me, challenged me, or something like
0: that.
1: Hmm. They didn't I th- know I was going to ask. No, yeah, it's that, okay.
2: The I think with Galatians, the overarching idea or feeling that I'm t- I'm personally taking away from it. This is not probably like theologically accurate, but I I just feel like. It's nothing you do. It's everything that Jesus did. And don't don't miss the point. Don't miss them don't miss why you do what you do. Don't don't think that you have to do anything beyond know and love Jesus. That it's gonna be hard and there's there's you're going to have to do things, but that's not why you do these things. So you
1: mean for like salvation? For salvation. For salvation, yes. Salvation, yes. Yep,
2: for salvation. Yeah. That in that that. The point is not to be circumcised, to follow the rules, to check the boxes off, to to fall into a habit. That's not the point. The point is to know and love Jesus for salvation. And then from that is a daily sanctification, yeah. is a daily renewing of the mind. A daily like, do not grow weary because yeah. you have a long way to go still.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Don't know? grow weary in doing good. Yeah, yeah. It's good.
0: To piggyback off of that, I would say. I would echo that exactly. And I think I even said it in my sermon of when sometimes when I read the Bible, like I feel worse about myself because it just points <laughs> out all of the crap that I do. And even talking about pride, people pleasing, like you can't get away from it. It's yeah. a, every day, like every minute thing I'm doing something that goes against what I should be doing and goes against um, what God is calling me to, what he's asking of me. And so it's easy to like want to throw in the towel and be like, well then forget it. Like I'm, yeah, nev- yeah. I'm never going to measure up. And then that's like the exact opposite of like, that's the point. Like yeah. you're never going to do it on your own. Stop trying, surrender completely. Yeah. And that's where the beauty comes in. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah, and I think for me, along that same line of thinking, is when you have that relationship with Christ and you say that you're a Christian, it's, it's a lifestyle. It isn't an action. It isn't a, a one and done thing. It's a, a, a new lifestyle. Because the, the Judaizers, by the way, I learned more about the Judaizers than I ever thought I, I would. <laughs> uh, it, they, they had a lifestyle. They had a life that they lived, and it was all by the law you've got to follow all of these things and then you're going to be good and and we say no no no, no, it's not about that at all it's not about that at all but just to say, let's get rid of the law we're not th- we're, we're not throwing that out we're not throwing out uh having the lifestyle at all it's it's about where are you looking to yeah. where is your your confidence and it it's in jesus and and how does that show in your life it's a It's a daily, every single day, slow steps following where Jesus is leading you. And that's sometimes the hardest is those ordinary. I think you mentioned it one week, Jason. Maybe it was last week. Is that we get sometimes caught up in the big moments. I want God to do a miracle and and wipe out this illness that I've got. Or turn my life around because I'm involved in alcohol and drugs. or, Or whatever it is. Whatever it is. You want this 180 cuz now I'm good. We're done. It's over. The hard part sometimes is the ordinary steps to yeah. recovery to whatever it's it's walking towards Jesus, yeah.
1: Well, last week I talked about that God I you look at scripture and God seems to care way more about the ordinariness of your life than the supernatural. Right. It's your daily things, it's how you love yeah. people. Yeah. Supernatural love is natural love. That's fulfilled through Christ yep. and the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, the one that really got me and as I've, it's still even thinking about it today, I never really grasped how important um, the diversity of the gospel leads us to the multi-ethnic. Um, that the goal is not to make a people who all look the same as a nationality or an ethnicity or a culture, we all look the same in Christ. Yep. And that that presents itself in different ways and how that's not a gospel that I was preached. I was always taught the purpose of the gospel was to make us right with God. Well, that is, but one of the ways we become right with God is seeing the beauty of multi-ethnicity. And I think, you know, that was at the very beginning of this series, that's still sticking with me. And it's still something that I look at, you know, our, our three things belong, believe, become. How do we make every person who walks through our doors, regardless of their ethnicity, social, economic status, or age, feel like they can belong because the gospel unifies. I think that's one that really stood out to me in Galatians. And even as we look at the end, I think about pride. How often do we put our pride in our particular view or flavor of Christianity or our ethnic yeah. way of approaching our worship style, whatever yeah. it might be. Um, so, well, hey, I want it for those of you who've been diehards and been listening through this whole thing have come and watched online. And I know we all miss sermons and that's fine. That happens. But for those of you who've been paying attention and, and following us through the Breakthrough Breakdown, kudos to you for sticking through it, man. It's, uh, I actually love doing book studies because I think they, we allow scripture to breathe into us and show us a story. Uh, I'm excited for Lent and what we got going on for Easter. Do us a favor, check it out. And again, if you found this helpful, encouraging, fun, even if you didn't like it, go on Apple Podcast, uh, leave a review, rate it, share it. Um, our hope is we want to see more people impacted for the gospel. And I think one of the best compliments I've gotten about this is I've heard several people say how much they enjoy hearing the different perspectives. Yeah. And that it allows them to see, to hear a different view from Sunday morning so it's not just one thing. It's realizing that this is a process and we're growing together. Well, hey, this has been the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm
2: Kate.
1: I'm Megan. And I'm John. You have an amazing day.
2: Have you not fjorded?
0: Thank you for listening to The Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of The Breakthrough Breakdown.